Welcome to the Gifted Neurodivergent Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the exploration and cultivation of the outside genius found in neurodivergence. Hello, fellow Gifted Neurodivergents. My name is Lillian Skinner, and welcome to the Gifted Neurodivergent Podcast. This week, we're going to start the tackling of creativity. It is my belief that the gifted neurodivergents are neurodivergent because they are so creative. I do not believe the ability to regurgitate the thoughts other people put in your head to be the highest form of intelligence. I believe that novel thought is. Of course, our system doesn't want you to be this way because then they wouldn't be able to manipulate you and stick you into the system and exploit you if you have novel thought. If you're very good at seeing and understanding big picture or tiny details, then you're harder to influence. You're harder to make a tool that can easily be used by the system. But right now that system's breaking down. So in a way, you're the most prepared for the future because you have the ability to see insights that others cannot and you'll know what to do next. And this is what I have experienced. I have always known what to do next. Despite not having a good childhood, or a good education. Where does this come from? The researcher of profound goodness, Dr. Linda Silverman, believes that some gifted individuals, particularly those with neurodivergence, possess a unique form of knowing or intuition that goes beyond logical reasoning or traditional problem-selling approaches. This knowing is often described as a deep sense of insight or understanding that emerges without conscious effort or explicit processing. Gifted neurodivergent individuals may exhibit heightened sensitivity, intense awareness, and the ability to perceive patterns, connections, underlying complexities in their environment. They may have an intuitive grasp of concepts, ideas, systems, without necessarily being able to explain or articulate the process behind their understanding. This type of knowing is often described as gut feeling or profound understanding that surpasses explicit knowledge or conscious analysis. Dr. Silverman suggests that this intuitive knowing is a giftedness, may arise with their unique cognitive and perceptual processing styles, I've always had this. I've always known. And I think that just because the vast majority have had that programmed out of them, because I do believe it is probably available across the board, doesn't mean we should be denied it. This knowing, I believe, is the what most of your emotions are trying to tell you. This is what all that emotional turmoil that so many neurodivergents have. The term knowing used by Dr. Silverman reflects the subjective and experiential aspect of the giftedness rather than the well-defined measurable cognitive process. I agree with her. I believe that neurodivergent high sensitivity makes a unique pattern formation. I believe that this is possible in all neurodivergence because all neurodivergents are driven by higher sensing. So everyone fits into this group and we have it at varying degrees of capability, but it really is depending on how your sensing manifests, like which ones are your strongest, which one are not. I have figured out a way that actually goes into this and calculates it. Why do you have this? Because we create more complex patterns. As a result, we're harder to influence. We're harder to make fit into a system and harder to condition. We have innate knowledge that supersedes what the system tells us because we create such complex patterns, because we take in more inputs. We logically then have more data. And as a result, we make our own ideas on things. And when you make your own ideas on things, you do not work into the plans of creating a pliable homogenous society, a society that is driven by capitalism, where people make fortunes after the homogenous base that was built by an education system that teaches people to define themselves not by their hobbies or the things they learn or things they do, but but rather by very petty things that we all have, such as cars, clothing, jewelry, etc. Whereas those of us with neurodivergence, we define ourselves as we actually want to define ourselves. We define ourselves not as society expects us to, but as we choose. Think about what it was like when we were in high school and how much pressure there was, middle school, elementary school, to fit in, to be like everyone else. Do you know anybody who didn't? Do you know how much they stuck out? 
in high school, I was a weirdo. I had long, silky hair, and this is in the 90s, and everybody else had curly, crunchy hair with bangs, and I didn't. My hair looked like the 2000s, 10 years, a decade ahead of what the style was, but I just didn't like the crunchy style. I have always struggled in the system because my brain wants to create new ways of seeing and being and doing. It's just how I'm wired. I believe that pretty much everything that you can take and put on that list of things that are weaknesses or differences or disorders or whatever you want to call it, it stems from being a creative person. I grew up with two parents who were extraordinarily creative in very different ways, and they were broken by the system. They were the highest level of talent in their spaces, but they were not the kind that was easily harnessed and used as a talent. They were their own talent. They were the kind that wanted to do their own thing. And as a result, they struggled. They struggled immensely. And I too have struggled with this, but I believe that's about to change. I believe for my children, this will be actually the greatest gift they have because now it will be about different ways of seeing and being and doing because we have so much standard data and we need to figure out what to do with it. And so we'll need all those novel thinkers to do something with it. Additionally, there'll be more demand for people to see the change that's coming. And when you're creative, you are always able to fill in the blanks. You are given parts of the whole and you can recreate that whole again. Or you can take what you have now and take what you have in the past and figure out where the projection is going. You are the gifted ones who see what's coming the big picture ones who are able to actually put the picture together before the picture is fully formed. And the small picture ones who can see all the details and fill it in as the change is occurring. Everything that you have been taught what intelligence is, is not true. And I recently got a really great example of that. My middle kid had her annual assessments come in. And this year she scored in the 99th percentile in not just math and science, but also English. And I kind of wanted to cry because English is my space. English is her brother and sister's space. English is not her space. She does not actually care about it. She does not care for language or history. She does not enjoy writing. And my other two children and I, this is our gifted space. The fact that she scores in the 99th percentile and my other two children, they never scored there. And I don't believe that they will ever score there. It made me really sad because I realized how much of our system is wrapped around identifying the STEM kids, basically repressing everyone else. And you can see why would they want to do that. I mean, the kids who have novel thought in people and history and social sciences, they would put a monkey wrench in the plans. They would let people know that really the most important thing isn't making money or it isn't really making other people wealthy. The system is supposed to elevate those who work hard and serve it and get the freedom because they've earned it. They have contributed to the group as a whole, and now they can sit back and let the group take care of them. That has completely been destroyed. We have corrupted it, as we always do. And the system was set up to be corrupted, quite honestly, because it repressed those who of us who are the most gifted and the most sensitive and the most kind and the most generous. It has repressed us from the very beginning because we aren't motivated by money. We're not motivated by accolades. We're motivated by the good of all. And that's what being gifted is. If you look at the definition of giftedness, you will see that it is to be sensitive, to be kind, have existential despair over the loss and pain of others, 
I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with my kids where they have cried over the death of animals, children, humans, adults, everything. They want to do something about it. And I, I've spent my weekends on beaches picking up plastics. And I spend all these time trying to give back to the world. I see it to be so futile. There's not going to make any dent what I can do. And I want to change it. But I realize the only way I can change it is if I stand up and say what I see and how to change it. It has to be changed at the top. And I believe that this is the inevitable end of patriarchy. This is how every single society that's built those big, huge buildings or pyramids or temples or skyscrapers, they always end up causing their own demise. They always end up self-destructing. And I believe patriarchy, which is built on hierarchy and is built on this ideal that if you can move to the top, then you have freedom, then you can have the money to do what you want to do. That is the flaw of the whole system. What happens is it ends up repressing the people who need the freedom the most and giving the power and the wealth and the resources to the people who are just greedy. We are there now again. We're going into a Great Depression. We're going into ecological disaster. And we are going into a sixth mass extinction event. I don't even know if the rest of the stuff matters because property, liberty, I mean, that's kind of secondary to mass extinction. And I think that the gifted neurodivergents are the ones who have the best chance of changing it, fixing it, turning it around, or surviving it, if that is the worst case scenario. So I'm going to talk to you about what I've learned with the limits that we have and how you flip those limits on their head. Because being creative means being flexible. It means being able to change as the changes are needed. It means being able to see ahead. And that seeing ahead is really, really important for you to understand how much you are used to seeing ahead. That simple is hard and hard is simple. It's a saying for autism. It should apply to all neurodivergence though. I was recently with my daughter and we were getting our hair done and we had to get smocks out of the thing. I said, can you reach in the closet and grab two smocks? And she was in a panic over having to go and get these smocks and never having done it before. She's like, which ones do I grab? I go, honey, any two will do. Just grab the two and throw me one. And she couldn't figure out which ones to grab. It was the panic of not knowing what to do because she'd never done it before was so severe. I think the thing that struck me most was we have gone through this really kind of rarely, like she's 14 now, and she was having a panic over the smocks. But really, we have so little panic. I sat outside with her a couple times and she's cried before a brand new class, but that was a couple times. We have not really had any other instances since she was a child. So honestly, she if freaking out over these smocks and grabbing which ones and which ones you couldn't tell they were all black and they were different sizes, but she wasn't sure. That is such a mild thing. That means her patterns are always on. She's always recognizing. Literally, I put this kid in college at 11, college classes, and she wasn't panicking. I put her in physics, AP physics this year, and she wasn't panicking. We build amazing patterns because she obviously already has some patterns in these areas. And I realized we have so much sensing that we really are very rarely out of our element, except for like when we're really little kids and then we're just like all eyeballs trying to figure it out. Those of us with really high sensing, we're forever 
knowing what's coming next. And so when we get out of that moment and we don't know what's coming next, we are lost. We stick out. You notice it when we first go into school. You notice that we're struggling there because it's set up against us. The system is set up to take the brightest people, the people that are the highest sensing, and literally make them into drones for it or disable them. That is the two goals. So we have some people who are very good, small picture savants or small picture artistics, which I think are the same thing. It's just the level of savantism. And they are taught how to see 2D and regurgitate and they go into the system and they do well, but they do get burnt out, but they end up in the back offices and they're exploited there. There's the big picture savants, which is my family. And we end up being completely destroyed. We are told that there's something wrong with us. We're told we see too much and that we ask the wrong questions and everything is a complete crushing of us. You probably have an intense amount of giftedness. You have been denied. Focus on us not being sensitive, on making us withhold who we are, putting us in a seven-hour day that pushes us way past what little kids ought to be pushed past, well into adulthood, where then we now are working 50, 60, 70, 80 hours. All of this is conditioning. It is conditioning so that they take the most sensitive people and they break them. And then it is conditioning so that the average people learn to wait for the system to give them. And we're now heading into a collapse of civilization era where everyone is either so codependent on the system or so broken by it, no one knows what to do, but you do you actually innately know what to do. We just have to get you back in touch with that. Average people, they can stay in the system for as long as they can because it really is set up for them. It doesn't tax them. It does not push them. It does not cause them to have great angst or existential crisis or questioning of self because it's meant for them. It's meant to elevate them. It's meant to depress us. And so regular people go into the system and they are never challenged. You and I, the gifted neurovergence, we go into the system and we're almost leveled by it. The more creative you are, the more of an outlier you are, the more difficult it is. It is crushingly difficult. Those of us who can see the patterns and have the clarity around them and realize how oppressive they are, how destructive they are, how valueless they are to the individual and how serving they are to the hierarchy and the group at the cost of that individual, especially the most sensitive individual, we are devastated. We have so much crises. You know, this is why we have our midlife crisis in our teens and our 20s, because we can see that it's not going to get better. We can see that college will be the same. We can see the career will be the same. It'll be another level up. It'll be exploitation. And we will never get out of that cycle. And it is despairing. I cannot stand going into this place, being overwhelmed all day, caring about things that I do not care about, being forced to sit into groups where I have to be talked down to, being forced to do meaningless task work that drained me. I am a subconscious thinker. I am constantly hanging out in my feelings and emotions and dissecting them and pulling them apart and asking why and getting answers. But that's not how regular people move through the world. Regular people do not have their two brains going back and forth, thinking and dissecting the world around them and the people and the things and the animals and the nature. They're not doing that, but we are. And so we're in constant learning and growing and pushing of ourselves. They're not. They're used to being given it and they receive it in a way that's neutral for them and does not exhaust them, whereas it exhausts us. But we are energized by the creating. We're energized by that novel thought. All of the things that we are good at and energize us are not actually the things we're allowed to do in the system. 
but that's changing. Now we're all going to have to flip the other way and we're going to have to become creative. And right now they're trying to make us do both worlds, which is not how it works. You cannot do both worlds because the one absolutely exhausts you and you're doing like 80% in that. And then the 20% you get to be creative, you have nothing left over. You have nothing left because you've worn it all out doing stupid menial tasks that are like timesheets and meetings and things that are depleting of creative work. Now the opposite though will occur because we're going to move to a more creative space where you're going to be given and tasked to go off on your own and work on these things. And you will be the most productive person in your teams, in your group, in your department, instead of the least or instead of the most exhausted. Creative work energizes creatives. And that's going to be the opposite for neurotypicals. Neurotypicals are going to be depleted by creative work. Creative work is hard. Their brain is tired by that. Our brain is energized by that. So we will have an advantage in the future, but this transition is going to be very hard. And right now what's happening is they're pushing out those people like us. I was listening to Simon Baron Cohen talk about pattern seekers, and he was lamenting the fact that too many autistic people in England, the vast majority could not get jobs, even though they were accountants and they had degrees and they were professionals. And he wanted forward thinking people to hire them. But what I didn't understand is he's not seeing the big picture. Like, how can this man who is a knighted PhD in Cambridge not see what's really going on? This is what's really going on. There's a reason they're not getting jobs. There's a reason they're laying them all off because they're building up for something else. Because when we come back as left son, it will be just in time for us to be exploited for being creative. The worst part of that is that he doesn't see us for what we really are. How does somebody work with people who are autistic for so long and still not be able to see them for what they really are, still not be able to see their true value. We are not pattern seekers. We are pattern makers. We are pattern weavers. It comes in through our senses and we weave it together. And that's why it's creative and new and different. And that is what makes us exceptional. How is it possible that he is so blind to this? He is talking about pattern seekers, and it's such an outside perspective on us. He cannot see inside of us at all. He is not truly a creative. Caused so much damage on his ride up, and yet our system is, exalts him. And he's wrong. Our inputs weave together in many dimensions. I know this because I can see this. I speak to others who are talk about seeing this as well. They know that do it. And I can see how they break down. I can see the multiple dimensions. It lines up in my head. And I have people I work with who can actually meditate and do this. Mine does it in my dreams. But there are people I know who achieve this through meditation. I have not gotten to that level because I haven't needed to. It's been able to do this since I was a little kid. I didn't realize it was an exceptional thing. I had no clue. My whole life, I've been trying to censure myself and make myself less overexcitable, more acceptable, less like who I am. And it's only cost me a whole lot of time I could have been going into who I was. Because when I went into who I was, I found out something amazing. I found out I had so much understanding and self-knowledge that other people lack, people who are experts. That was presented as something I never should be doing. I should be just regurgitating. Why can't I listen to directions? Because I am a creator and creators don't listen to directions. Creators make new ones. Creators take the inputs in and they create the process and they put on a new output. That's what being creative is. And I'll bet you $1,000 you're creative. If you figure out where your gifts are, we can find exactly what your path is. Music 
math, and emotions follow similar patterns. They follow similar theory. And I am an emotion savant, so I just so happen to know the emotions theory. And every day I am amazed at the patterns of our spatial gifts. Every day I sit down with people and I can see the patterns between us. It's all spatial. It's multidimensional. We are so amazingly gifted and we have barely scratched the surface. With AI, all of these people who, who are nonverbal or who are verbal and non-writing or all these minor things that our brains, which are so spatial, have given up space on because we've only had like one or two ways of producing it, all of that is gone now. All of those will go away very quickly because we will now have access to give our brilliance, our thoughts, all the things that we have been keeping inside us, trying to fit in and be average, that will now be opened up and an amazing flood of brilliance is going to come from it. The future is ours as creatives. What we need to do is understand how our spatial creativity works. And this is what I have been trying to figure out my whole life. It's not exactly the way the Chinese medicine sees it. It's not exactly the way the mystical see it. It really is a science. It's a science. It's a theory. It's a theory just like music and math. And it is spatial. And it breaks out as logical as you can believe. They don't realize that there's an emotional side. A side that lays out the dimensions of people and societies and history. Do you think what I'm coming up with right now is novel? I don't. I do think it's novel for today, but I bet you that in the past this was known because there's a reason they stripped us of our emotions. There's a reason. Emotions, music, and math is what we recognize as being the spatial giftedness. And yet we have stripped the most spatially gifted people of one third of their giftedness. Why have we done that? This is why we have done that so that we can control them, so we can leverage them, so we can crush them and exploit them. This is not brand new. I don't understand why everyone doesn't see this. It is in the mystical work. It is in the Chinese medicine. Music, math, and empathy, they are all the same. They're spatial gifts, and we have been denied one third of that for our ability to see the world. We have an entire system that carves out that part. It doesn't allow us to bring our emotions knowing it will hurt the most sensitive, brilliant people. There are societies in our world that exist that are egalitarian, or at least incredibly more egalitarian than the society we're in right now. And we pretend that the only choice we have is capitalism. But having a lot of things, having the incredible dysfunction of our society is not worth it, in my opinion. And there are places we can go that do. Bhutan is the perfect example. Bhutan has a king whose main primary goal is to keep his people happy. He wants them to be happy, not financially successful. Happiness and financial success do not actually go together. We're perfectly fine the way we are, and we don't have to change. And that's what we need to give our children. And that is what we need to give each other. If you learn to be who you're supposed to be, it will inevitably lead you to healthy. We innately need to be there. We innately will go there. Our higher sensing leads us. We just have to learn to trust it. And there is a formula for each individual one of us, a formula that leads you to where you're supposed to go. And all we have to do is figure it out. So I'm going to keep on this creative thing. I'm going to turn around every one of these things that we're told about 
multitude of things wrong with us. And I'm going to show you how they are actually just us being creative. And that being creative is not an artistic thing. It's an across the board thing. And there is a science to it. There is a method to it. There is a pattern to it. And it's actually in each one of us. We've just been stripped of it. My family is incredibly neurodivergent. We incredibly crushed in the system. And yet we go out into the world and we find our path and the scars are healed. We find what's the best way for us. The future is bright for neurodivergence. What we need to work on is the present. Our brain is so big and it's bringing in these connections from all over. And we need each other to bounce those ideas off of so we can find and create the most amazing things. But we've been pulled away from each other, told not to see each other, told not to like each other, told not to trust each other. And it's caused the loss of genius. It's caused the breakdown of families. It has caused the breakdown of society. It has caused the very best people to be lost. And I think we need to remedy that as soon as we can. Because the very best people would never let us get to the point we are. They would not be running around trying to control people and make them come into the office. This is what the whole school system is set up. They're not going to let us stay home. They're not going to recognize that we need half days. They're not going to give us what we actually need to be good, productive workers. Because the whole goal is to get you at the cheapest rate, to get you in a space where you're constantly having to prove your value to them be aware. We have to figure out a way so that you can work and be successful and it doesn't serve them at the cost of you and your well-being. I learned this very early when I was in corporate America. When I got my first bonus, I was given like a five or $10,000 bonus. And I was like, okay, I worked a good 20 extra hours a week for this bonus. If we equal that out, I really should have just gotten a second minimum wage job and I would have made more. And I could have heard a pin drop in the room when I said that. <laughs> because what I said was accurate. And they said, well, it's the payoff later. You know, the salaries are going to go up. And I was like, I really don't think they are going to go up. Our CEO just took a $99 million bonus. I don't understand how with that level of bonus just going to the top three people, how there'll be anything left for the rest of us. It seems like it's really getting sucked up there. And as far as I can see in the future, our wages will stagnate. Well, I was told I didn't know what I was talking about. I was told I was stupid. But 20 years later, the wages have stagnated. And my job at that time, they're exactly the same they were when I came out of college. My saying the things you're not supposed to say and pointing out the things you're not supposed to point has nothing to do with my dysfunction. It completely has to do with my ability to see the trends that are coming, and just not caring enough to play the game. We'll always lose. It's rigged for the house, and we are not the house. That's all I'm going to say for now. I'll be back. Take care. Or the Gifted Neurodivergent Podcast. This podcast, Lillian Skinner, and Gifted ND Incorporated are not responsible and do not verify the accuracy of the information contained in this podcast series. The primary purpose of this podcast is to inform and educate. The Gift and Neurodivergent podcast is only available for private, non-commercial use. Any other use of the information contained within this podcast must be done with express written approval and knowledge of Lillian Skinner. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute any part of this podcast. The developer assumes no liability for this podcast or its use on any other podcast or other media. Modify or redistribute any part of this podcast. The developer assumes no liability for this podcast or its use on any other podcast or other media.